Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, This is the Republican Party is still Donald Trump's party. He is the head of the party until he decides or chooses not to be. Now, I know this is driving the never-Trumpers nuts, like Mona Charon, who made a fool of herself today at CPAC. I know this infuriates the rhinos in and out of Congress. I know the media are very, very angry about this. But who cares? It's not their party. The people within the Republican Party spontaneously support Donald Trump. And why wouldn't they? The more Joe Biden's in the Oval Office, the more it's clear that Donald Trump had so many outstanding initiatives, so many outstanding things that he did. It couldn't be clear. So the more Joe Biden wants to be a neo-Marxist and embrace every kook theory, critical race theory, critical environmental justice theory, open borders, the elimination of girls' sports effectively in high school, and on and on and on. The more Joe Biden moves left, the more people wish that Donald Trump was back, particularly Republicans. Because he actually delivered on so much of what he said he was going to deliver on. And what the media do not understand is Donald Trump's contempt for them reflects our contempt for them. Donald Trump's contempt for the Washington establishment reflects 
our contempt for the Washington establishment. Now, one thing we do know about Donald Trump that you cannot say about the Democrat Party is he loves America. Does Joe Biden act like he loves America? Going on and on about how terrible America is and how we have to change virtually every aspect of our culture and our society? And the media is very upset that Donald Trump's going to speak at CPAC. It's the Conservative Political Action Committee, ladies and gentlemen, who gives a damn what the media think. And if Donald Trump wasn't a force, if Donald Trump wasn't a power, then why do the media still obsess over him? He's not in office anymore. He's in Mar-a-Lago. What are they worried about? They're worried about a lot. Because they want some milk toast, center-left, Republican, barely center-right perhaps, to be nominated so they can mop the floor with this individual and so Republicans can once again go down in glory with a celebration of the Democrat Party. They know he got 75 million votes. They know that if there's an election next time, we've got to deal with these states and these state legislatures where the Constitution was violated, where state law was changed to accommodate Joe Biden and his lawyers. I don't think the Trump campaign, which I believe was in many respects caught flat-footed on this. I really do. Despite my going on the air and quite frankly telling the White House over and over again, you better get your lawyers out there. The president was not well served in that regard. And I don't believe he'd be caught flat-footed again. I really don't. And so they're obsessing over Trump. They're very concerned about Trump. They're very concerned about the Conservative Political Action Committee. Why? Why are they worried about conservatives? Why are they worried about Donald Trump? Biden. He's a screw-up. Which is why he is lying about what the President Trump did with respect to vaccines. He's lying about the development and distribution of vaccines. He's lying by trying to take credit for something he had absolutely nothing to do with. Still doesn't. Now, we still have to hope and pray that the vast majority of the American people are smart enough to see what's going on. I mean, it's hard to turn out 75 million people to vote. But it's obvious next time around, should Trump run... We're going to have to do even better. Tell me, which other Republican, as of now, there are very, very fine Republicans. Many to be impressed with. Governor DeSantis is unbelievable in my view. Mike Pompeo. Uh, I go down the list. I shouldn't even begin going down this list, so I won't. There are others, too, who, who, de- who deserve to be on that list. There really are. But there's only a handful, and Trump at the lead. He really gets the blood going, not just at the conservative base, but 75, 80, 85 percent of the Republican Party. Look, here's the thing. We know what was done to Trump in the first impeachment was disgusting and an outrage. We know what was done to him right before he left office with that impeachment and trial was a disgusting outrage. 
We know the failure of the Supreme Court to step in on those two Pennsylvania state cases was an outrage. It was disgusting. We know this. We know that the endless effort, even now, to chase down President Trump with his taxes and to try anything to bring criminal charges against him, to force him into a a jury trial, to get him in prison, we know what they're doing. And all they do is make us more and more resolute, more and more disgusted. There's something about Donald Trump that they hate. It's more than his personality. It's the fact that he's the most effective Republican president since Ronald Reagan. He's the most effective Republican president since Ronald Reagan. He brought their agenda to a full stop. And he had the courage to reverse course on one issue after another, after another, after another. He believes in the American people. That's why he believes in unleashing the economy. That's why he believes in lower taxes. He's the most conservative president since Reagan. Far more conservative than George H.W. Bush. Far more conservative than George W. Bush. He's far more conservative than his critics. Far more conservative than Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger and Mitch McConnell and the rest of them. And he despises the red tape of Washington. That's how he got these vaccines done. Led the effort. That's how he did it. So as the Conservative Political Action Committee holds its its conference, and as the media keep slobbering all over themselves, quite concerned about what's taking place, just keep something in mind. There is, in fact, a light at the end of this tunnel. Joe Biden has embraced the neo-Marxist-Marxist agenda. He is a complete screw-up. The American people are not Marxists and neo-Marxists. That's why they lie to us in order to get elected. It's just a matter of time, I believe, as you and I continue to expose this. The media won't, but you and I. And people are going to look for somebody to come in and clean all this crap up one day. That's why the media are concerned about Trump. That's why they want the DA in Manhattan to go after him. That's why they're doing these things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. 
Now, so let's look at events through the lens of my opening monologue. Joe Scarborough is a very sick reprobate. And he has this program where they give him a platform. Comcast gives him a platform. Comcast owns NBC and MSNBC and all the anti-Semitism that goes with that operation. Joe Scarborough has not denounced Comcast. He has not denounced NBC at all. He's a good foot soldier for the radical left. He's a good foot soldier now for the Democrat Party. He sees no problem with the Democrat Party in the rising anti-Semitism, the rising racism, the rising Marxism. No, no, no. He's perfectly fine ensconced in his, his little mansion in Jupiter, Florida with the missus. But what about the rest of America? But just to show you how perverse, and then he brings in this clown, Gene Robinson. Gene Robinson. Gene Robinson. What was that show called? Oh, it's so old, you guys wouldn't remember. I was a little kid. Doesn't matter. That had the robot, and they were... That doesn't matter. So anyway, Mr. Robinson. There's a Mr. Robertson. So Joe Scarborough is on with like-minded buffoons, and they have the little circle quirk, I'll call it Mr. Producer. And so the circle quirkers are smiling at each other. They have facial tics with each other. Uh, They encourage on each other's uh, obsessions. And what is it about? Trump. Now, Trump hasn't been president for like a month and a half. Doesn't matter. And this is the sort of thing I'm suggesting to you now that's going to create more resolve, more support for Trump to run in 2024. But even if he doesn't run in 2024... Another strong, powerful candidate. Not one of these milquetoast types. Cut one, go. My question really is, how sick does a political party have to be? See, see this guy. What is this guy? What, what does he contribute to society? What does he contribute to anything? He always looks like he's sitting on a cucumber. He always... Uh, Same thing day in and day out with this guy. Same thing day in and day out. Very low IQ. Cut one again. Go. My question really is, how sick does a political party have to be? How gutless and directionless does a politician have to be? To actually want to be within a hundred miles of that guy on the now left. Now let's let's slow down. You realize Jupiter, where this fool lives, is twenty twenty five miles where that guy lives. And it's funny, nobody ever goes back to show you how these Scarboroughs were so close to Donald Trump. How they promoted him through the primary process. And then it became personal. Then he switches on a dime. Because Joe Scarborough doesn't have a principle in his body. He's never had a principle in his body. I was going to say something else, but I'll leave his personal life to himself. An utterly unprincipled, and in many respects, unethical, even immoral individual. Sitting there preening. 
How gutless does and directionless does a politician have to be to actually want to be within 100 miles of that guy? That guy. What about Biden? What about that guy? The former segregationist. What about that guy who was accused of molesting a staff member in a quarter of the Capitol building? No, 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 no. None of this intrigues Joe Scarborough. None of it. As he was defending Cuomo all those months when Cuomo was killing senior citizens in New York. That's right, I said it. Why can't he coat this stuff? Now they want Cuomo out. A little late, don't you think? 11,000 senior citizens dead. God knows how many women sexually harassed by this individual. They were slobbering all over him. On MSNBC, on CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post. Fauci, Fauci getting another award. Fauci getting awards left and right. The infectious disease czar, half a million people die, and he's getting awards. Must be nice. When his ass should be fired, he ought to be thrown out of work. See what it's like. Go ahead. Robinson will forever be remembered as the only president ever to call for an insurrection. He didn't call for an insurrection, low IQ. But you'll continue to repeat it. The big lie, right? Goebbels, as Biden said. You're the perfect example, you slob. The perfect example. And he called for an insurrection. Like he's got an impediment there. Like he called for an insurrection against the United... uh, He's the only one to call for an insurrection. Go ahead. ...of America. Uh, Enough of him. Then they bring on Donnie Douche. Donnie Douche, on the morning uh, Joe show. There's a stench about this guy, Mr. Producer, wouldn't you say? Cut to go. But Donald Trump is by far the bottom of the barrel. Anything that you can do as far as playing outside the lines, this guy has done throughout No, that's time. you, you little punk. I understand you're a punk. He's called all of you in the past neo-Nazis. And so impressed with this man's profound intelligence, MSNBC, NBC, the mothership, and Comcast, the mother load, they keep promoting Donnie Douche. Go ahead. They're going to take him apart, you know, and if you just think about the mindset of a of a, a federal person or a local person or any law enforcement type person who works in a law know, enforcement where, type person, you know, I know I'm Donnie Douche. I, uh, I know about all these things you see uh, here in my uh, condominium in the penthouse here. I, I know all about this stuff. But a bunch of reprobates and know nothings and do nothings. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution 
We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I know the uh, bureaucrats in and around Washington don't much like me in this show. You know, if you're a host in the Washington, D.C. area, you have to be a little bit careful, you know, that you don't offend Same with the teachers and the teachers union. Look, I call them as I see them. I call them as I see them. It's not about ratings for me. I do exactly the same thing. I always have, long before I was ever on radio. But I want you to look at something. I want you to look at an example. The left likes to spend lots and lots of money, and then they like to be viewed as compassionate and humane and righteous. Look, they want to take care of people. $1.9 trillion stimulus bill coronavirus relief bill. Now we know that there's hundreds of billions of dollars in there to bail out their political buddies, to bail out their union buddies that have absolutely nothing to do with anything. Money for museums and people are looking at this. And so at a time when some people, a number of people are suffering, the Democrats are always looking, how do we exploit this to our advantage? There's no vaccine. Trump's breaking his butt to get a vaccine done. Let's attack Trump. You come into office, there's a vaccine that's being produced at a remarkable level, and the trajectory is that there's going to be enough vaccines for the entire country to be vaccinated by June or July. Let's say that they failed. They didn't have a plan. Let's say that I, Joe Biden, took all these remarkable steps, not single one of which we're aware of, to make sure everybody's vaccinated by the summer. This is how it works. Meanwhile, people coming across the border, I guess not a single person coming across the border has the coronavirus disease, Mr. Producer. Must be, right? None of them are going to be tested. None of them. Meanwhile, if they want vaccine shots, in many cases, they're the first in line. Unless, of course, you're a prisoner. Then you're really in the first in line, especially if you're in a blue state like California. Now, this is the world the Democrats create, but it's something else they've created, too. And we want to give a hat tip to Kelly Sadler over there at the Washington Times. Stimulus check, $1,400 for you, $1,400 a week for federal employees. Whoa! I told you when this virus first broke out that there really are at least two Americas. And when the federal government shuts down in a putative nature, in other words, it never really shuts down... People are never really furloughed. People really never miss a a paycheck. It may be inconvenient, but they get their money. Every single time the so-called government has so-called shutdown, it's occurred. doesn't happen that way in the private sector, does it? No, it doesn't. And when the, the government shut down two, three days, and yet the essential part of the government keeps functioning, and the entitlement checks keep going out, nobody really misses it, The media are all over it because the media are part of it. And so it's like Armageddon. 
when everybody knows this is the cycle. Meanwhile, when the private sector is shut down by the edict of these fascistic governors and fascistic phony science experts in the federal government who don't know what the hell they're doing, way out of their lane, that they insist on. That is righteous. Shuttering private businesses forever, forcing people to lose their homes, driving them into poverty, into depression, and God knows what. That's an inconvenience, Fauci says. Mr. Medical Doctor, it's an inconvenience. Does anybody ever say when the federal government pretends to shut down for three days that that's an inconvenience? No, 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 no. We get these almost like documentaries in the news, right? Showing one thing after another after another, a domino effect that'll occur. To scare the hell out of you. Because they want to keep spending and spending and redistributing money from the rest of the country into Washington, D.C. So the potentates can redistribute it. President Joe Biden's coronavirus stimulus package outlines a one-time $1,400 check for families financially affected by the virus. And by the way, they've already found $100 billion in past relief packages that have been used for fraud and all the rest of it. They just keep spending and spending. Yet, the, listen to this, the fine print in the House stimulus bill sneaks in this fascinating nugget. If you're a federal employee, you can receive $1,400 a week in paid time off for 15 weeks if you decide to stay home and virtually school your child. Did you hear that? Just for federal employees, not for anybody else. Now, I don't think it should be for anyone, but just for federal employees. It's amazing. There are employees. There are servants. Hate to say it, it's true. And yet, we're their employees. We're their servants. As first reported by Forbes, the carve-out is included in the bill's $570 billion, excuse me, $570 million emergency federal employee leave fund, which is exclusively reserved for federal employees. Among those eligible are those who are unable to work because they are caring for school-aged children, not physically in school full-time due to COVID-19 precautions. I mean, this is great. The various parts of the base of the Democrat Party, the teachers' unions, shut down the schools. Not all of them. You don't need to call in if your school's open. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about all the other ones that aren't open. So one part of the Democrat base, the, the uh, teachers' union. Shut down the schools. And another part of the Democrat base, the federal bureaucracy, gets subsidized because their kids can't go to school. So the Democrat base is taken care of. Now how about the kids that aren't part of the Democrat base? Well, they're beside the point. They're pawns in the whole thing. The new fund allows a federal employee, quote, caring for a son or daughter, unquote, to qualify for the paid leave specifically if the school or place of care of the son or daughter has been closed, if the school of such son or daughter requires or makes optional a virtual learning instruction model or requires or makes optional a hybrid of in-person and virtual learning instruction roles, or the child care provider of such son or daughter is unavailable due to COVID-19 precautions. And you're paying for all of it. You're paying for all of it. 
The Biden administration has issued school reopening guidance that effectively keeps kids at home learning indefinitely. Teachers unions are refusing refusing to go back uh, to in-person learning and protesting at every turn. But millions of families are trying to balance work with virtual learning and childcare with some lousy one-time $1,400 check to help compensate them for their efforts. Yet federal government employees will be paid weekly not to work. Weekly not to work. And the drafting of this section of the bill is intentionally sloppy. It doesn't include age requirements for the children, meaning federal employees could apply for this leave even if their children are attending college. And it also would allow for government employees to receive the benefit even if their child could be in school five days a week, but the employee chooses a virtual option instead. Some days I feel like biting the head of this microphone right off, Mr. Producer. The entire health stimulus bill includes no financial reimbursement for working families who've decided to place their children in private schools because their school districts are virtual, even as they continue to pay school taxes. They continue to pay for a service not being rendered with no exact timeline of when it will be. Yet the bill does make sure to take care of its own. Just another disgrace. Biden did this. Joe Biden. And stop saying Joe Biden doesn't understand what's going on. Joe Biden is mentally... Joe Biden needs to be held to account. We can't do this rope-a-dope stuff where he gets credit for the left for what he does, but on the other hand, he's too stupid or too out of it or too insane. No, 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 no. No, no, no. He, he's responsible for everything that happens in his administration, and he's sane enough to know exactly what he's doing. They're feathering their bed. That's what they're doing. That's what it's called, the old union terms. They're making sure that their people are taken care of, that their people are subsidized. And what have I been saying? They're redistributing wealth from Republicans in the Republican base to the Democrats in the Democrat base. Now, I know this is a, there are exceptions to this rule. I know there are teachers who are Republicans and bureaucrats. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the overarching number of people who are attracted to these various positions. And that's what's taking place, right before your eyes. Joe Biden isn't president of all the people. He's not uniting the country. He is in the Oval Office for the purpose of taking care of all the disparate parts of the Democrat Party base, subsidizing the disparate parts of the Democrat Party base, putting in place rules and regulations that empower this central government, because the Democrat Party intends to run it for the rest of time if they can get their H.R. 1 voting bill through and all the rest of it, and continue with its immigration policies. This is what's going on. But the media, the media is very concerned about Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago, because Trump fought it all. And you don't have to necessarily know that it's all going on to know instinctively, and as a matter of common sense, that the different puzzle pieces aren't right. Does Joe Biden act like a man who loves his country? By what he's doing and how he's doing it? I'm not talking about the Democrat Party base, because, excuse me, uh, 
membership necessarily because many Democrats voted for Trump in this instance. I'm talking about the hardcore base. This is why they fight so hard on these elections and so forth. You and I, we vote because we want to elect a president who we hope will uphold the Constitution, pretty much leave us alone, not look to uh, eviscerate our standards, eviscerate our traditions, eviscerate our institutions. The other side, that's all they're about. Effectively, politically, burning the place down. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Eric in Maryland, XM Satellite. Eric, you're on. Go right ahead, sir. Mark, my brother, thank you so much. The reason why the left is so afraid of Trump and CPAC and individuals like you, you provide the information and the energy for individuals like myself to go out and engage and get involved to the point where I'm nobody special. We met a few years ago at a book signing in Virginia. Yeah. I'm six foot six, 350 pounds. Oh, hell, I remember you. And I should have hired you as my bodyguard right there and then. I would do it for free, brother. Thank you. And part of the reason why this is so important, I've called you a few times. I actually even wrote for Breitbart. I knew Andrew personally. Um, we spoke a few a, a while back about how words matter and the language matters. Right. When I, when I get engaged with these liberals, mm-hmm. they basically start blasting me and calling me a right winger. And I'm like, how can I be right wing? Right, first of all, you're 6'6", 330, and they're looking up at you and calling you that? Yes. Jeez. Because how, they, how stupid are they? But what it is, is they think that as soon as they call someone that name or a racist, that we're supposed to run away like our hair's on fire. Right. What they don't realize, that is a magnet for me. That is my mating call for my patriotic self. Mm-hmm. So when I engage them, the first thing I say is, okay, 
I'm a right winger. How can I be right wing when I'm standing on a document that was written in ink on parchment Mm -hmm. over 200 years ago? And you don't understand because you see the framers were right wingers too. Nobody's as good as a modern day 18 year old liberal. They know everything. So So do their parents and grandparents. But what we. They did such a great job of raising their kids. Go ahead. But we need to understand as patriots that it's not our job to convert that person that we're engaged with directly. It's for us, and I do this all the time. I do this in the grocery store. I do this in the mall. It drives my wife crazy because, like I said, when I hear this, I immediately start going to them, and I lock horns with them. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I've done this with Ivy League attorneys. Now, what's funny about this, Mark – I only have a high school diploma, mm-hmm. but because I have the Constitution, facts, and the history that stands behind me, that trumps that basically. Listen, man, many of the smartest people I've met, smartest, are the ones who are self-educated, haven't been poisoned by some Marxist professor and so forth. I mean, we have smart people, you know, in all levels of education, but I pass no judgment whatsoever. In fact, people who come out of Ivy League schools are suspect to me. Right. And I, I, usually I look at that as almost being some weak armor because they think it's some super piece of, of, of weaponry, which it's not. It gives them this false sense of security. So as I speak to you, you and others in Rush and others were the reason why I ran for public office. Here in the People's Republic... We're going to be uh, out of time soon. Was there anything else you wanted to say? No, just keep doing what you're doing, and, uh, and people need to understand. CPAC and Trump and you all are the reason why, because you all arm us and inform us to be able to engage and take this forward. All right, but- my brother. I appreciate it very, very much. I'm glad there are other hosts, you know, to fill up the rest of the day, too as there were hosts before I, I came on the air, too. But you all need to understand that we all do not speak to each other about what we're doing every day. I have many, many friends in this business on radio, but we never compare notes. Well, that's not true. The only one that I used to compare notes with was Rush. Late at night, when we would text or email each other, this is years ago, uh, not, not to echo each other, but to question issues and to discuss them with each other. But we really don't, you know, it's not like we, we all are singing from the same sheet of music. And the left does this all the time. Look at this. Look at all these clones. And then they start, yeah, but this one's smarter and this one's worse. The libs do that to you too, right? You're part of a group until they want to attack you. And now you're no, not part of a group anymore. They want to destroy you personally. All right, we'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hi. 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 Hi.
Those are great patriots who have good taste. And they are chanting, CNN sucks. And we all know that's true. Uh, as they are confronting, I guess it's Jim Acosta, right, Mr. Producer? Why is Jim Acosta hanging around there? I didn't think he was the correspondent for this stuff anymore. Is he lonely? Is he a homeless guy? Is he looking to pick up chicks? What's going on with this guy? CNN sucks. Jim Acosta. Poppy Harlow. I don't know what's worse, the Harlow or the Poppy part. Poppy Harlow. Isn't Poppy the name that children and grandchildren give their pop-pop, their grandfather, Mr. Producer, Poppy? Yeah, right? And yet she's a woman, correct? I don't watch her. I don't know. Am I now violating some FCC rule by calling her a woman? Am I supposed to call her they or that or it? Anyway, Poppy Harlow and Jim Shudo. Now, Jim Shudo, of course, is an Obama hack. But they're all Obama hacks. They're all Democrat hacks, as I demonstrated on Freedom of the Press. They're on CNN today, which employs them. And let's see what they have to say. This is a news organization, mind you. Cut seven, go. CPAC begins in Orlando a little bit later today, the conservative conference. Uh, Some speakers there, including the former president, are expected to amplify the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen. Now they even talk like Goebbels. I'm sorry, Poppy. Did I offend? You even talk like Goebbels now. And then they amplify the big lie that the 2020 election was stolen. Well, they're not there to amplify the big lie that the 2016 election was won thanks to the Russians now, are they? I blame more than anything else, except perhaps education, the media on destroying this country. Really, the schooling, the school systems, colleges, universities, even now the government schools and the media, they're killing us. They're destroying us. So what does Jim Shooter, the former Obama hack, now at CNN have to say? Go. And if there was any doubt that former President Trump uh, is still the leader of this party, this picture might give an indication. That's a golden statue of Trump on display at the conference. Uh, See, they're mocking. This is the best they can do. This is the best they can do. How about the substance of the conference, Jim? What did they discuss? And at least they're not pulling statues down. They're making statues. Go ahead. Yes, he's wearing... And at least it's not a statue of Karl Marx, you know, which is what the Democrats would do. Remember, they're running around at the, uh, the convention with the Palestinian flags and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. For some reason, sources say the former president will, in his speech, continue to make more false claims about his election what, loss. Which, which claims are false? I mean, some of them are not false. What took place in Pennsylvania as a result of that state Supreme Court and the governor and the now disreputable and resigned Secretary of State, those aren't false. What took place in Georgia in violation of Article 2, that's not false. I can't tell you how many times we've invited different press people on this program to confront them on these issues, to have a discussion with them, and they will not come on. Chuck Todd, George Stephanopoulos. We asked Fauci to come on. He doesn't want to. None of them want to come on. None of them. And I'd be more than happy to debate Poppy. And I'd be more than happy to debate 
Shuto. Isn't Shuto like a hammer or something, Mr. Producer? But nonetheless, I'd be more than happy to do it. They'd never come on here because they don't want to be challenged. Well, I'm going to challenge Jim Shuto right now and Harlow too. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution says the legislature shall make the election law by which electors are chosen. Is that what it says, boys and girls? Yes, it is what it says. Was that not changed in Pennsylvania by a rogue Supreme Court and the executives there? Yes, it was. Does that not violate the federal Constitution? Well, you know, the Supreme Court doesn't matter what the Supreme Court did or didn't do. We all read the Constitution. We all know what's taking place. We don't need those knuckleheads to give a rubber stamp to what's in the Constitution. I love the way they go to the Supreme Court. Except when they don't go to the Supreme Court, when they're trashing it. Supreme Court has a very mixed record in this country. Remember Roger Taney, the Chief Justice, who upheld slavery? Ooh. Remember Plessy versus Ferguson? Remember Korematsu? I can name ten more. So don't hand me the Supreme Court. So Jim and Poppy, and I love that name, Poppy, and she, she demeans it by using it. How is that fraud to point that out? How is that not fraud to point that out? How is that a false claim? Bumbling morons. And the same thing happened in a different way in the state of Georgia. Well, they're Republicans. I'm not talking about that, Republicans. I'm talking about the Constitution. And it happened in Michigan. And it happened in Wisconsin. And it was purposeful. Biden's attorneys, the DNC's attorneys, their surrogate organizations, they went into these states intentionally. They went into these battleground states to change the election laws to help them win the election. Now, that's not a false claim. I can prove it. I can prove it right now, whether in front of the Supreme Court or this microphone. So instead, we have these Democrat miscreants dressed up as journalists with their propaganda. Well, you know, uh, he's going to make false claims. Why are you covering it? CNN, why are you covering the Conservative Political Action Committee? Why are you covering... You're not going to cover exactly what Trump says. You're going to cherry-pick what he says. You're not going to run his speech. If you do, you'll just do it for ratings. But you have no newsworthy interest in any of this. Any of it. And we're not going to take directions and... Be preened to by you fools who went on and on with Russia collusion. You not only lied about it, but you were the ones who would collect leaks and regurgitate them. And none of that coup activity, none of that lawless activity like we've never ever seen in our country before, even offended you. Never offended you. you Got to listen to Poppy Harlow and Jim Shuto, Sacco and Vancetti. Just like the Sacco and Van City in the morning show on uh, MSNBC. You know, Mika. Yes, Joe. Uh, yeah, Joe. You know, Mika. You, you, know, you know. Like Dillinger and, uh, no, no. What was that? What was that crime team? I can't remember. Where's my mind today? I feel like I'm Joe Biden almost. Bonnie and Clyde. That's right. Bonnie and Clyde. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. We're going to have Matt Schlapp on at the bottom of the program. One of the leading white supremacists, I mean, uh, the chairman of the American Conservative Union. Just kidding, ladies and gentlemen, because that's how they think of all of us. It's funny, conservatism, constitutionalism, from which everybody who attacks us gets their liberty and their private property rights. They want to burn the whole damn thing down. They act more like white supremacists, the white liberals. Don't they? Don't they want supremacy over us? Even non-whites, they're the ones who act like the supremacists. We say live and let live. We want speech, freedom of assembly. What's the problem? I wanted to get back to something. This magnificent $2 trillion bill loaded with all kinds of pork and crap for the Democrats and for their constituent groups. There's this piece, you really need to pay attention to this, from Bloomberg. President Joe Biden's $1.9 million coronavirus relief package, ready ladies and gentlemen, would trigger cuts to Medicare and other programs early next year unless Republicans come to his rescue and agree to a waiver, a hurdle that could give the Republicans leverage over Democrats' slim majorities. Now putting that aside... So he wants to ram through a bill by violating the Budget Act, by using the reconciliation process, never as was intended. And he's going to shoot a massive hole in Medicare, $36 billion cut, as much as $90 billion in other programs would have to be slashed, because there's a Budget Act in place. So... This is what I mean. This would slam a hole into Medicare. But don't worry, he cares about the people. That Joe Biden, he's one of us. Oh. The Congressional Budget Office said in a letter to Kevin McCarthy that Medicare would face a $36 billion cut. As much as $90 billion in other programs would be slashed. The spending cliff is entirely the Democrats' making. Under the 2010 pay-as-you-go law passed by Democrats. Inside by then-President Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. Spending increases and tax cuts that add to the deficit, like Biden's plan, trigger automatic cuts the following calendar year. It takes 60 votes in the Senate to declare the outlays an emergency and avoid the cuts, which means Democrats would need 10 Republicans. So they have their own parliamentarians saying, hey, you can't add the $15 minimum wage to 
a relief bill. It's not germane. And the Democrats in the House are saying, get around here, figure, get around here, figure out how to get around here. I can't do that. We don't follow the rules around here. Democrats are already plotting ways to turn off the pay-go trigger, according to Senate Democratic aide, who said the most likely scenario will be to have a waiver to a future must-pass spending bill. You see how conniving they are? What do you mean we can't force a minimum wage on the country? We're going to do it. I don't even like... You know, we, we, I talk about this all the time, the nomenclature and the language, and you've got to really confront them on this. We have to, we have to confront them on this. I, I, as I say, I've been re- doing a lot of reading of scholarship on the left. It's just grotesque. It's depressing. And they make up words. They create new words. We're not talking about a minimum wage anymore. We're talking about this is a killing, a killer requirement. This is a, so we ought to call it a job-killing minimum wage. Or a job-killing wage. Well, Mark, they're barely earning. They're not going to have a job. They're not going to earn anything. Well, don't worry. We Democrats will swoop in and we'll take care of them. So they want to get around this. Under the pay-go law, Medicare cuts are capped at 4% of that program's outlays. And most other entitlements like Social Security and Medicaid are exempt. Spending on other programs, including some popular farm subsidies long supported by Republicans, would be at risk of being completely eliminated. Oh, here come the rhinos to the rescue. Which way did they go? Oh, I'm serious. According to the CBO, there actually aren't enough mandatory programs subject to the pay-go sequester to fully offset the deficit impact of Biden's $1.9 trillion versus relief bill. In other words, so massive is this spending bill. On top of the massive spending bills passed by Republicans and Democrats, there's not enough to offset them. And you know what Biden has under his other sleeve? $2 trillion infrastructure bill, which means about half of it will go to infrastructure. The other half will be used to do what? To stick cash in the pockets of his base again. Can you imagine $1.9 trillion this bill, $2 trillion another bill? This is outside the budget. So that's $4 trillion on top of a $4.5 trillion budget. I want you to look at your kids and your grandkids, and I want you to kiss their future goodbye. I want you to kiss their future goodbye. I want you to go to your kids and your grandkids and say, look, I'm sorry, but you have no future economically. You're finished. You're finished because down the road we're going to create the Weimar Republic here. We're going to need wheelbarrows. Well, don't worry. We have Bitcom. You understand what I'm talking about. Pensions won't matter, savings won't matter, salaries won't matter, nothing's going to matter. And you think this summer was rough. And God, I'm just, I'm just being honest, you think it was rough on January 6th. You know what happens when millions and millions of people lose everything? There are not enough police and military in this country to keep order. And so, right now, behind this mic, I'm telling the Washington Post and New York Times, mark now my words. It is the politicians, and mostly the left-wing politicians, but not exclusively, who are creating an impossible future for this country. And of course, it's all wrapped in righteousness and equality. 
and justice. And when we're done with this $4 trillion, we got reparations. That's going to be at least another 2 or $3 trillion. Oh, yeah. Mark, I didn't do it. It doesn't matter. You're in that group. They're in that group. Then you got this group and that group. That's all. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you, you and your family had no responsibility. It doesn't matter that the Democrat Party was in charge, was running the Confederacy, was defending slavery. No, no, that party is never held to account, ever, for anything. Russia collusion nonsense, using the FBI and the intel agencies against a candidate and then the president, never held to account, ever. The Russia collusion lies. Never held to account for segregation, which they defended, for slavery, which they defend. Never. No, no, no. You don't understand. I'll be right. Well, I'm a little early. Misread the clock. Now, I do have some positive things for you. When we come back, we have Matt Schlapp, the chairman of the American Conservative Union, which is in charge of CPAC. Some outstanding Speeches, we'll play little clips, obviously, not the whole thing. Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, among others, uh, which is really quite fantastic. We're not going to be a wet blanket throughout the whole show, although it's not hard, quite frankly. We've got Matt Schlapp coming up. We've got to listen a little bit toward the great Ron DeSantis, the great Ted Cruz, the great Mike Lee, and perhaps others. I'll be right back. Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Let's hear a little bit of what Ron DeSantis had to say at CPAC today as we get started here. And you should know, on Sunday, which is just two days away, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox, I interview Ron DeSantis for the entire hour. He's absolutely fascinating. The open schools, the non-lockdown economy, uh, how he addressed uh, the coronavirus, the use of vaccines, how he confronted potential riots in his state, the economy in his state. I think it's very important that rather than, like the rest of the media, focusing on the losers, Cuomo and Newsom and their ilk, that we focus on individuals who are actually quite successful. Is that Matt Schlapp? We're not interrupting your dinner, are we? It is Mark Levin. Not at all. There's no, there's no time for dinner during CPAC. Oh, all right. Just want to make sure now. Um, how are you? Are you there? Oh, I'm, I am so – I am here. I am so enthusiastic, Mark, about how it's going at CPAC in this spirit that I think is going to overtake this country as we watch the Democrats grab to the most radical policy that we ever feared. Now, first of all, how many people are there? Uh, you know, I'd say about all together with everything, four or 5,000. And are we socialist distancing? We're following all the regulations, um, you know, uh, even with Governor DeSantis, the local community. I'm only joking. More I asked if you're socialist dance distancing. The answer is, of course we are, <laughs> I am as never, far as we can. I'm always socialist distancing. That's right. exactly right. Uh, you've had a few uh, spellwinders there, haven't you, in terms of speeches? We have. 
And I know you have to be sort of uh, a referee in this sort of stuff. Any one or two people in particular standing out to you? Well, of course, Ted Cruz took the stage, and uh, people love him, and they hate the fact that he just continues to be persecuted for every little thing he does. And I'd say he got one of the, you know, most rousing reactions. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we had Josh Hawley, who's the other senator who they like to say did something wrong by simply objecting. Can you imagine them saying a senator shouldn't even be able to object? And he talked about big tech and how they're trying to silence us and how we have to consider our options very carefully when it comes to that. We had Donald Trump Jr. speak today. And uh, I think we're going to have just about every person who's seriously looking at the 2024 presidential race. Are you going to permanently uh, hold the event there? I mean, you really ought to take it out of the Washington, D.C. area like you have here. I'm completely for it. I have to tell you, when you get to Florida, even your level of stress subsides. Everything in Washington seems to Mm -hmm. be perverse. Everything seems to be made more difficult. So we're going to look at those options very seriously. I know you spend a little time in Florida. I think it's a, I think it's a trend, and I think there's something great about a person I call America's governor, Ron DeSantis, who uh, is showing the common sense of conservative values. Actually, we've had a place down there, property there, for 10 years. I just didn't tell people, but we go there often, and we will be transitioning. May I say that word? We will be transitioning there at some point. <laughs> Now, uh, here's, here's uh, you had Jim Acosta there, you have the media there. They're not really there to report on the substance of what's going on or anything like that, are they? They're there to say, where's Donald Trump and Donald Trump and Donald Trump? They can't get enough of that, can they? They can't stop covering Donald Trump. As people say, Donald Trump lives rent-free in their brain. The whole coverage is about two things. Donald Trump, the fact that there are cultist followers of his... And why aren't you wearing a mask? Those are kind of like the two constant refrains uh, from everybody. And I talked to Governor DeSantis, and I said, hey, uh, you know, what's your take on Florida? And I talked to the Attorney General of Florida. And their view is the individual should make their health decisions. And, uh, and, and by the way, Matt Schlapp, they do. When I'm in Florida, people wear masks. They keep the, we're adults. We know how to live. We're careful. That's right. And, and the thing is, is this, which is, you know, uh, constantly harping uh, on people is what liberals now are all about. It's all about telling you everything you must do at all times. And it comes in things that are big and small. And I think one of the themes that gets the most rousing support from the conservatives assembled here at CPAC is this simple notion. Why the hell are the schools still closed in so many jurisdictions? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even think that's conservative policy. Uh, if you have to fight to open up schools in America, what's wrong with us? Well, there is one couple I'm sure you're desperately missing, and that's my beautiful wife, Julie, and me. No comment. Uh, for, sh- for sure. Let me tell you, <laughs> the problem when it comes to Julie is that uh, she, uh, she is so She outshines me. Be know. honest. She uh, does a very good stuff on the stage, and you guys have had this repertoire where she asks you questions uh, for the last several years at CPAC. And the only problem is we never give you enough time to really do it right. And we actually were really going to give you the time to do it right, and we're sorry you're not here, and I know you're sorry you're not here as well. It's kind of a weird year. Honestly, no, I had to have surgery on uh, last uh, Friday, so I wasn't allowed to fly. So that's the main reason. But you sound, you sound vigorous and healthy. Yes, thank you very much. Um, let me ask you this. Donald Trump is speaking 
Sunday, what is it, 3 p.m. Eastern? Yes. And uh, do you let the general media in there, or how do you manage this sort of thing? Yeah, no, here's the thing about CPAC, which is kind of a strange thing, which is you're right, Jim Acosta was there. I had a little bit of a debate there down the hallway for about 15 minutes or so. Everybody's here. MSNBC is here. Ali Velshi is here. They all come. And uh, it's not just conservative media who come. And what's interesting is, is that it actually gives the conservative movement a lot of free press, a lot of attention. And, uh, you know, there's no liberal CPAC, which is a kind of a strange thing. There's nothing that rivals it. There's actually nothing that rivals it. I don't agree with you. It's called Congress. But go ahead. (laughs) Fair. Well, I shouldn't laugh at that because that's actually not very funny. But, the, um, but no, it's, it's a very unique thing. And the one thing I love about uh, where we are as a conservative movement, you might disagree with me on this, Mark. Um, I actually don't think there's a huge disagreement amongst conservatives on the issues that we should champion. I think Donald Trump has won those arguments by and large. I think the only division that the left-wing media likes to talk about are kind of uh, swampy, moderate, establishment Republicans who never liked Donald Trump, didn't like some of these new policies he was pushing. And you know what? I don't think they ever wanted to accomplish these conservative policy goals. They just wanted to continue to mouth to us that they believed them in platforms and other things. Now, Matt, what I said tonight and what I've said in the past, really, several years ago, is Donald Trump's the most conservative president since Reagan. Much more conservative than George H.W. Bush. Much more conservative than... George W. Bush, much more conservative than the never-Trumpers who attack him. We don't have to agree on everything, but we agree on a hell of a lot. He was an enormously <clears throat> successful president, which is one of the reasons they tried to destroy him and don't want him to run again. I have silenced you with my genius. Oh, we lost him. Are you trying to get him back or not? This has gone swimmingly. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a 45-second silent prayer. No, we're not, actually. A dear friend of mine used to do that. I won't say who it was. Do you remember that, Mr. Producer, on on WABC? And and I love him. He's a good guy. And he would start the program with a 30-second... It was 30 seconds. felt like 30 hours. Silent prayer. You ran those shows? Well, silence on radio, ladies and gentlemen, is death. It's death. All right, well, let's go ahead and play DeSantis while we're waiting for uh, Matt. Here's DeSantis at CPAC today, and he gave a great speech. All these guys did. Cut eight, go. We are an oasis of freedom in a nation that's suffering in many parts of the country under the yoke of oppressive lockdowns. We look around in other parts of our country, and in far too many places, we see schools closed, businesses shuttered, and lives destroyed. And while so many governors over the last year had kept locking people down, Florida lifted people up. 30 seconds. Florida is leading in protecting our vulnerable residents, saving the economy, and safeguarding the freedom of our people. In Florida, schools are open. Every Floridian has a right to earn a living, and all businesses have a right to operate. You know, Matt Schlepp, Florida's a massive state. It's the third most populous state in the country. It's a very diverse state ethnically. It's a diverse state economically, geographically. Um, It's a state with uh, 
you know, all the shorelines and so forth and all the tourism where you would think the virus would have a particularly uh, onerous effect as opposed to some of the other states. This is a perfect example of liberty, of capitalism, of conservatism, limited government at work, demonstrating that even in the middle of the pandemic, it works as opposed to what they've done in New York and California and some of these other states. It's the perfect example, what we've gone through. And yet the media, of course, keep it ambiguous. But isn't that one of the reasons they try and trash DeSantis? Yeah, and you think about Florida. I mean, it's so obvious that we forget it, which is people retire to Florida. So the the age is skewed older in Florida. So you would think that, that those populations, that they'd have higher cases. And you're right, the lockdown states like California have a much worse situation uh, than Florida does. And, you know, what I think of when I think of Ron DeSantis, if you remember this when he was in Congress, I think he had like a 99% mm-hmm. rating with us, like nobody achieved. So, like, he is a very conservative philosophical guy. But as governor, you know what he looks like? It's not even his philosophy. He just looks like he has a brain in his head, and he makes common-sense decisions based on the scientific data. Dr. Fauci actually isn't looking at the scientific data. Ron DeSantis and his advisors are, and his, by the way, his approval ratings are off the charts. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt Schlapp, uh, we've appreciated it very much. Would you tell every single person at CPAC I say hello, please? I will, and they miss you, sir. It's not really a CPAC without oh, you, yeah. and we're getting you back next year. No, no, I mean it. I want you to knock on every hotel door, go around the dinner table like at your wedding, all the tables, and say, Mark Levin says hello. Would you do that for me, please? I'll do it, Mark. And right, the one man. thing that I'm sorry that you're not going to hear is our tribute to Rush Limbaugh. It's going to be one for the ages, but I'm going to make yeah. sure you get it. Thank you. I really appreciate you doing it, and I really appreciate that. God bless you. Okay, you too, Mark. Thank you. Take care. He has done wonders with CPAC. I had washed my hands with that organization some years ago, and he and uh, Dan Schneider, who is his lieutenant, who does a fantastic job too, came out to near where I live and sat down with me and said, you know, give us a chance. We really want to make this work. I said, absolutely. I'm going to get behind it. Let's go. And uh, they've been been tremendous. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. We will have Mike Lee in the next hour. As you know, I don't load up the show with guests, but these are some very involved people today. And we want to hear what they have to say about what's going on in Orlando. Supreme Court recently struck down the remaining challenges to what I believe is one of the most important cases of modern history. Two of them. Those two Pennsylvania Supreme Court cases. All right, let's take a call, shall we? Yes, we can. Chip! Cannon, West Virginia, XM Satellite Chip. How are you, sir? Just fine. Just fine, Mark. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. <clears throat> now, I was listening to your open monologue, and and uh, you're talking about how the, the left and the media is focused on Trump, and they're just infatuated with him. And I, I uh, take that one step further. It's an infatuation with the American public who wishes just to be individual and have our freedom preserved. In other words, they project onto us from him. It's really us who they hate. 
It is. And I, and I think you're right. 100% right. They despise us. They want to control us. They want to, they want to dictate uh, whether we can be in business or out of business or if we're in the right business. If our kids can go to school, it, it is, or if we can go to church or synagogue, it is so disgusting what's going on right now. That's absolutely what they're after. It, it's, not, it's not Trump personally. It's what he stands for politically mm-hmm. in this country and the people that he represents. That's, that's how I see it. I think a lot of that's right. All right, Chip, have a good weekend. Thank you, sir. We're going from West Virginia to Massachusetts. Sal, Boston, Sirius Satellite. How are you, Sal? Oh, my God, it's Mark Levin. I love you, and I got a lot of people listening to you right now. So Thank you, Sal. You're awesome. Thank you. I just want to say a couple of things. I'm tired of going to the gas app and trying to find where to get the best price of gas. Uh, since Biden's been in office, gas has gone up. Well, you can get all the gas you want out of the Senate. They're, they're loaded over there. Go ahead. Uh, another thing is you were talking about um, national news, uh, like CNN, and uh, all those miscreants at uh, CNN yep. and uh, MSNBC, MSLSC, as you call it. Yep. The local news is getting even worse mm-hmm. than the um, than the, the national, than the cable news networks. And it's just, it's awful listening to them. I can't find any kind of... And by the way, same here. The one thing you have going for you, though, in Boston is, is the seafood. You know, I don't even get that here in Washington, D.C. area. You know what I mean? Right. I can eat scallops. My wife's allergic to shellfish. So, oh, jeez. Uh, well, you ought to move to Wyoming where they have a lot of beef. Sal, thank you, my friend. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. This passed with a little notice. The government revises the fourth quarter GDP up slightly to 4.1%. So the overall GDP last year shrank 3.5%. But the fourth quarter was 4.1%. So that's the quarter ending December 31. Today's February 26th. The economy is growing. Now that Biden's elected, the Democrat governors are beginning to take their foot off the brake. Now Biden's going to kill the economy because that's what the left does with massive regulations, redistribution of wealth, confiscatory taxes, Endless nanny state intrusions 
into private property rights, into your career, into jobs, into businesses. And so I have a question for you. Why are we passing a $1.9 trillion bill? If the economy is rebounding, why are we passing a $1.9 trillion bill? And by the way, with hundreds and hundreds of billions that have nothing to do with the virus. Why are these questions never asked? Why is it just assumed these things are going to be done? So the economy grew at a slightly faster pace in the final three months of 2020 than was first thought, and they point this out in Fox and other places. Now, again, the overall annual GDP shrank at 3.5%, but this is remarkable. We're talking about the year of the pandemic from January 1st to December 31. You remember the massive economic dislocation? Well, we're back now. Home prices climbed the fastest pace in seven years. In seven years. Some expect the GDP growth in this quarter, the first quarter of 2021, could top 9% for the year. With the full year being as potentially as high as 6%. That would be the fastest annual gross domestic product growth since the economy expanded at 7.2% in 1984 when Ronald Reagan was president. So the new forecasts represent a significant rebound in optimism in the past month. But now we're going to have massive government spending when the economy is starting to get hot. Now, what does that mean? That means the devaluation through inflation of the currency. The devaluation through inflation of your paycheck. The devaluation through inflation of your pension. Meanwhile, significantly increased prices for energy, for health care costs for clothing, and for food. We were here in the 1970s. But the Democrats don't care. They'll blame it on the economy, on capitalism, on global warming, or whatever. But I've been talking about this now for quite some time, and I just want to put a marker out there so we can all understand what's taking place. And then Rand Paul has a very good question. He says, I, I, I don't understand why we're rushing to pass a $2 trillion bill like this. We should delay it at a minimum. And why did he say? He said because far fewer people are actually getting the virus. More and more people are getting vaccinated. It looks like with the vaccinations, with fewer people getting the virus, the growth of herd immunity... One expert said, April, he thinks that much of the country will be uh, benefiting from herd immunity. Why are we rushing to spend all this money? That's why they're rushing to spend all this money. They used this virus to try and destroy Donald Trump and win the election. They used this virus to change our voting rules in battleground states. They've used this virus to spend trillions on their buddies. And their fellow Democrats, 
And then they're going to pour another $2 trillion into the economy. Just print it up, print it up, pour it into the economy for infrastructure. Because Joe Biden has a legacy to take care of. Because the Democrat Party, this is what they do. They don't believe in supply and demand. They don't believe in inflation or recession. They believe that capitalism sucks, and that's why if anything goes wrong, blame it on capitalism. But it's happening. Ted Cruz today at CPAC. Cut nine, go. You know, the U.S. Capitol has giant fences with razor wires and 5,000 National Guards standing out front because the Democrats are convinced that political theater helps them. Let's be clear, this is not about security at this point. This is about political theater. Half the country, the deplorables, are dangerous. And they're going to turn the Capitol into a military outpost in Baghdad just to have their compliant media echo that message. But do you know what terrifies every one of these statists? The truth. Liberty's powerful. Liberty's persuasive. Liberty is fun. Yep. Cut 10. Go. These are dark days, and the media tells us this is the new galactic empire forever and a thousand years. But already Joe Biden and the radicals in his administration, they are already overshooting. They are already going too far. Their policies don't work. They are disasters. They are bad. They are destroying jobs. They are stripping our freedom. And there is a natural pendulum to politics. And the country will come back to sanity. And mark my words, 2022 is going to be a fantastic election year. And so is 2024 as we stand together and defend liberty, defend the Constitution, defend the Bill of Rights of every American. In the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom! Wow, I have never heard him so energized. Have you, Mr. Producer? I like it. I like it. I like the passion. And, you know, it's important to be cerebral, too, but I like that passion. That's very, very good. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, we actually have a great senator from Utah, and you're right, that's Mike Lee. Mike Lee, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Thanks so much, Mark. Good to be with you. You're at CPAC. You made uh, quite a speech there. You uh, 
You talked about the Bill of Rights and the Democrats. Tell the American people what it was that you were getting at there. I was talking about the Bill of Rights, about why we need it, and in particular about an underappreciated part of the Bill of Rights, the freedom of assembly. The freedom of assembly that is in many ways upstream from our other First Amendment rights and our basic first freedoms. You know, our, our, our freedom of religion, for example, doesn't matter a whole lot if we can't assemble. It's difficult for us to petition our government for redress of our grievances unless we can assemble. Freedom of press either becomes out of control or less meaningful if we can't assemble. And yet, oddly, tragically, during this global pandemic, the freedom of assembly has been deliberately, repeatedly, relentlessly assaulted, and that's not okay. Do we have any reason to believe that these governors are going to give their power back now that they've, they've tasted this kind of authoritarianism? No, we're going to have to take it back, and that's part of why I was talking about this. Uh, you, you know, it, Mark, it's important for people to remember that socialism, every march towards socialism in every socialist country everywhere has always started with an emergency. It's emergency socialism. It's, it's, it's redundant almost. There's not one case where countries move towards socialism without some sort of purported emergency serving as the basis of it. It's in those circumstances that we need to not you know, sort of get casual about our rights. We need to address them and assert them more aggressively, not less, during an emergency like a pandemic. And, you know, uh, Senator Lee, we have perfect examples of liberty at work like the state you're in, Florida, and tyranny at work, like New York. The people of Florida are much happier. They're freer. They're going about their business. Their schools are open. Their businesses are open. They're, they're careful. You know, the American people are expected to, you know, be accountable for their own actions. We're adults. That's what we do in a free society. And yet when you go to New York, you see New York City is, is dark. You, you see that the, uh, the economy is on its back that they need massive subsidies from other states. It's almost like uh, East Germany versus West Germany here. And yet, and yet when you look at the, the, the stark contrast of the two, which to me is so obvious, they attacked DeSantis and they were building up Cuomo until this uh, recent week or two. What do you make of that? I make of that the fact that we have as a society been far too deferential of government and far too skeptical of people. You know, in any culture, in any period of time, freedom can be found where you trust people and are skeptical of government. Tyranny is found where you trust government and you're skeptical of people. Mm -hmm. We put an almost unhealthy, quasi-religious amount of trust, almost faith in government. We view it as if it were some sort of omnipotent, omniscient, benevolent being, which it is not. It's none of those things. It's just the use of force. And that's how we end up with people like Governor Cuomo doing crazy things, doing bad things, and uh, putting us in a, in a terrible position because we're asked to worship at the altar of uh, uh, something that is just the use of force. And it's, it's bad, and it always ends in tears and in tyranny. You know, Senator, I'm very concerned about this profligate spending. All right, we have early on the pandemic. We're trying to get some funds taken care of. But then you look at this $2 trillion bill where hundreds of billions of dollars have absolutely nothing to do with this virus. You look at the, uh, what just happened in the fourth quarter. We see 4.1% growth. There are predictions of 6 to 9% growth in 2021. 
Uh, they're trying to force this spending bill through without any Republican support. They've tried to add all kinds of stuff. The minimum wage, the parliamentarians said no. They're up to their old tricks with pork and the rest. And then on top of that, they're talking about a $2 trillion infrastructure bill. Listen, many people alive today may not know. This is going to create massive debt, massive inflation. And our children and our grandchildren are going to suffer from this. This moral issue, to me, doesn't get discussed enough. It doesn't get discussed enough because it doesn't get discussed at all in most circles, not of the mainstream media, not on what's left of social media. Now that they've taken out parlor, they've just got the woke social media controlling all of it. We can't live off of printed money. We can't eat Bernie Sanders' mittens. We, we ourselves find ourselves utterly beholden to the government. When the government tells us that it's the source, the fount of all blessings, it's not. Now, you see uh, Joe Biden signing executive order after executive order. He's heading towards 60 executive actions. Every one of these actions is extraordinarily radical, destroying uh, high school sports for girls, uh, opening the border, refusing to deport felons, which, of course, a, a court has stepped in and said, wait a minute, you can't do that. You can't rewrite the law. You look at what he's done. He, I think, unconstitutional, unconstitutionally under the Fifth Amendment, steal somebody's property called the Keystone XL Pipeline and shut that down. I, everywhere you look, they're pushing, on the, in the Paris Peace Accord and then the Iran deal, everywhere you look, the, the, it, it's an extremist agenda. And uh, people say, well, Joe Biden's not smart enough to be doing this. Why does it matter if he's smart enough to be doing this? He's doing it. He's doing it, and people are being expected to take it again and again and again. And by the way, Barky, you, you, not one of those statements that you made is, is an exaggeration. Not one of them um, is anything other than a simple statement of fact. And, and I think this is going to push a lot of people, including a lot of people who have historically voted with Democrats. I think eventually this is going to push a lot of people over the edge and say this is absolutely nuts. I mean, they are literally— with, with this so-called uh, this Orwellian-named Equality Act, they're, they're literally going to end girls' and women's athletics. It will become a physical impossibility. They will end it. The great defenders of Title IX will be making it impossible uh, to, to have women's sports. They will end it by legislative fiat. And uh, things like this and things like the massive inflation that they're going to do, uh, it's going to harm the poor and the middle class. The, the, the wealthy and the well-connected in any country, in any day and age, uh, can do well. The measure of a great country is the prosperity and upward mobility of the poor and middle class. Socialism is never for the benefit of the socialist. It's never something that the socialist himself is willing to win, to live under. It's something that's only set to be mandated on the poor and middle class, and that's what makes it so truly evil. Now you're quite right. And uh, do you think, I was talking the first hour of this program, that what Biden is doing is so radical, and I think the wheels will come off so quickly, and I could be wrong, uh, that there's going to be enormous pushback, if not this election cycle coming up, the next one, because uh, he's taking what is an economy that's beginning to grow, people are beginning to, to find their freedom again, and he's going to crush both. What do you think of that? Well, I think people are smarter than the government, and they will figure out what's 
happening. And, and I hope that once and for all this will help us end what I think I first heard you refer to years ago as the tyranny of the expertise, the tyranny imposed by so-called experts or masterminds uh, uh, who think that they know better in all things government. Instinctively, people know that this stuff isn't right. It's going to end up backfiring on the American people, and it'll end up backfiring on the Democratic Party itself. You know, as I listen to you talking, you're actually quite remarkable. You were a citizen candidate for the Senate, weren't you? That was the first office you ran for. Yes. First office I ran for. I've never held any other elected office. Uh, I I was a a lawyer, um, uh, uh, an appellate litigator, minding my own business, and I ended up challenging a three-term incumbent from my own party, and I ended up winning. And I won on what many considered an unlikely platform. I ran on federalism and separation of powers, on constitutional textualism and originalism. We ran a shoestring budget against a a very established, very uh, well-funded incumbent Republican. And somehow it worked. Um, You know, there's no part of doing this job as a textualist originalist who believes in federalism and separation of powers that's easy. I'm already facing significant challenges in Utah, threats of of a primary by those in the establishment who would like very much to see me replaced with a more docile form of republicanism. And uh, But it's been an honor and a pleasure to represent my state. Every second I'm there, uh, I'm going to continue to fight to restore our founding principles of limited government, which can't exist in the absence of the vertical protection of federalism and the horizontal protection of separation of power. You're one of the most principled people I know. It's a pleasure to have you as a friend. Mike Lee, you take care and we'll talk again. Thanks so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. If Mark has banned you from the show, we have a special number you can call to reach him, 877-381-3811. So uh, self-proclaimed and self-acclaimed experts are talking about now not just two masks, Mr. Producer, but three. Did you know this? I can fix this whole thing. Perkins. I brought this up when the outbreak first happened. Perkins. You know, you wear a burqa, not just the women, but the men. And you, uh, you have those uh, head garb and you 
you cut out the so you can see out and you can breathe and then with the mouth and the mouth but from head to toe maybe they were onto something that'll protect you i think mr producer don't you think you're wearing one now well that's good normally you do the show with your pants off so i just wanted to make sure that's all right all right let's take some callers now let me see here as i try to pull up the screen look at that we've got fred fred where have you been Fred in Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Where have you been, Fred? Everyone's asking for you. Everyone, huh? Yes. How are you, Mark? Yes. So I'll get to my point real quick. Uh, I believe that the Democrats are lying about wanting to have minimum wage in the COVID-19 bill. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason I think that is because they've had plenty of chances. When they had two years over under Obama with both houses, Mm-hmm. They had a bunch of states, California, Massachusetts. They always had blue everywhere. They always talk about having um, a little a living wage and all that, but they never ever, ever act on it. I think what they're trying to do is yeah. trying to make it a, a, a issue to use against Republicans. And every time they uh, pass, in other words, they win either way. Yeah, they win either way. They have useful uh, idiots as their base that buys mm-hmm. buy that crap. And then um, they can have the Republicans be all mean and, and going against them. Mm-hmm. But like even now, uh, there's no reason in the world why they can't pass minimum wage. I, I think a parliamentarian is working for Well, no, them. no. They, the reason they can't is because they need 51 votes. You might say Kamala Harris, but Manchin has said he doesn't support the $15, and so has the, uh, the senator from Arizona. You know, Cinema, Senator Cinema. I, I think no matter what, I mean, they had a chance in, in, uh, during Obama's first term. Now you're right about that. You're absolutely right. All right, my friend. Good call, Mr. Producer. I just lost the damn screen. Who am I speaking to? Yeah. All right. Take your time. Lauren in Canada XM, go right ahead. Mr. Levin, how are you, sir? I'm very well. How is it up there in Canada? Well, you know... Now that you're a new president there and our fearless leader, they seem to be real buddies. You know, life is going to be fantastic for us. But, you know, I I listened to... Why do I feel like I'm watching that movie? What is that movie? (laughs) (laughs) Go right ahead. Anyhow, the Keystone Pipeline. (laughs) It's affecting our guys up here, too, and families in Alberta where the oil was coming from. Yeah. We we had a pipeline that was going to go from Alberta through northern B.C., in the, which is the province I live in, and out to the west coast, and you know, get, get or down to Vancouver and get get sold, and then we figured, hey, we got the Keystone, we're going to have the Northern Gateway, and then our fear, fearless leader put the kibosh on it, and then when uh, President Trump started, hey, the Keystone's back on because the guy previous to it said, now nah, we don't need it, and next mm-hmm. thing you know, your new guy there, you know, lunchbox Joe. Yeah, we don't need it, and now it's affecting our guys, too, just like Now, that's guys. right, that's right, and of course, all these clowns who say they're against fossil fuels, they use more fossil fuels than most of the rest of us. Billionaire, you know, I'm sick of this Bill Gates. Thank you for your call, Canada. Oh, Canada. I'm sick of this Bill Gates. Guy's worth like $60 billion lecturing. A- Is he a scientist? Is he a medical doctor? Is he an expert of some kind? This guy sits around like he runs the world. I mean, and they bring him on TV to say stuff. 
The libs bring him on TV. The rest of us don't give a damn what he has to say. And he's there. You, you know, he's, he's kind of nerdy. He's there with the, uh, with the head kind of cocked and the glasses kind of sideways. And, uh, you know, I really do think, he, I, I really do believe that, uh, yes, I, I agree with Dr. Fauci that we need an, an eternal lockdown. Yeah, I, I really think that's a probably. Now, the guy has like 125,000 square foot home. On Washington Sound. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? It's a massive home. And that's just one of them. And he flies, obviously, private jets. And, his, and, and so what it is, is they have what they want, but you shouldn't get what you want. It used to be a guy like this would say, look at me, I'm fantastically successful. Even though I'm a weirdo, I'm fantastically successful. I didn't finish college. You can do that, too. Just work hard. You know, you have free will. It's, it's, never, it's never a speech or an appearance that is invigorating, that is encouraging, that is talking to people about embracing capitalism. No, it's, you know, you know I, I really do think that, uh, yes, uh, we, we got to kill them. It, it's just, and I'm like, what does this guy know? He doesn't know anything. But there he is. All right, Mr. Producer, to whom shall I speak next, please? XM Satellite, Michael in California. How are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing very well. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Good. Um, Bill Gates, his haircut is that of like a six-year-old, so let's just keep that in context. Well, that's a damn good point. (laughs) Anyways, uh, you know, I'm in California. I'm driving to Arizona. I've done a relocation. And I own my own business out uh, here. So you're moving from a blue state to a purple state. Congratulations. I'm not in Maricopa County, so I'm, I'm up north, and I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at, that's for sure. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it sort of created a little impetus in my thinking about, you know, what if people just moved to where it was open, that they wanted to be where it was open, paid, and you're going to, you have all legalese, um, and paid the state tax because they're supporting their state and had some sort of legislation as to not pay as much federal income tax and just tighten the belt on these guys because seriously say that again walk through that again i want them to tighten i want i would like it if 73 million people would send a message to the federal government that we're not going to pay this because i i know but people are concerned and rightly so of going to prison of having uh, their wages garnished, of having their bank accounts frozen. It's not so simple. I know, I know, I know. And it's not something where it would be, it would have to be thought out. But it's so frustrating. It makes me so upset. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. I think that, I think that there's got to be a way for us to intercede. Well, there isn't. You either vote or you don't. Well, obviously we vote, but, you know, if we go to places where the constituency is sort of more like-minded and there's a larger populace of, of us in that area, then we'll have more of a say. Well, sir, I mean, you can organize this mass mobility where people leave their friends and neighbors and homes and so forth, but it's already occurring. Mobility is already taking place. That's why Florida has its population is exploding. Texas's population has exploded. And so forth and so on. You see depopulation out of New York, New Jersey, and New England. Depopulation out of Illinois and California. 
The problem is some of the people where the depopulation is occurring are Democrats who are going into these states and voting for Democrats. But in terms of organizing like a communal effort for everybody to go to this state or that state, you go ahead and lead the effort, and once you get underway, I'll have you come on and talk about it. Well, I think what would wind up happening is the state that, you know, everybody's leaving from California, let's just say, and everybody wants everything for free in California, it's only a matter of time before California just buckles, right? Um, All right, thanks for your call. I I don't know where we're headed. Do you, Rich? I'm trying. My wife tells me I don't have any patience. What is she talking about? (laughs) I don't know what she's talking about. Do you, Rich? No clue. All right, do I, I, do I do this now? Is that it? Let's t- oh, take a break. We'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Thomas, Napa, California, 870 The Answer, where we're live and national on KRLA. How are you? Good. How are you, Mr. Levin? Very well. Thank you, sir. Hey, I'm glad I got through to you. I just uh, wanted to say thanks for everything. Uh, I'm usually a pretty positive guy, but in the last years, I've lost a lot of people close to me. Hmm. And I'm kind of upset about all the stuff that's going on with our country. But when I listen to you, it makes me, uh, you know, it gives me hope and it it brings me some strength. You're a pretty strong guy. But Hmm. I just wanted to let the rest of the folks out there know, I don't know if they ever heard you, but some months ago I heard you tell the story about your dog Barney. Right. And you picking him out. And, uh... It really made me realize that you're a real, real compassionate, great human being besides. Well, you're very, very kind. And you know what? People have had worse losses. They've had more horrific losses. But everybody has to go through what they go through. And I lost my father two and a half years ago. I lost my mother two years ago. Um, Our Barney, I guess, nine months ago. We lost our rush just now. You know, it's been a very lousy two and a half years in that respect. And as I say, I'm not comparing this situation to anybody else's situation. I'm not involved in those situations. I don't know anything about it. But you've got to fight every day or you'll drown in it. 
You got to fight every day. You got to have a purpose in your life every day. You got to understand the import of family and friends every day. And hopefully have something that motivates you every day. I have something that motivates me. What I'm doing now. The future of this country. The protection of our liberty. For all of you. For my family and kids and grandkids too. And so... You know, we've had people who've well, gone through worse and wars and everything else. We just have to do it. I try to do the same, and I'm sorry I didn't know that Barney was gone. But yeah. just the time that he had with you is that I'm sure that it was special because I could tell from you talking about getting him that you gave him a lot of love. He was a remarkable dog, extremely intelligent. He could read my, you know, my emotions. He, uh, we had our routines. Coming down in the morning, I would take him and Marty out and coming in the door and, and playing around and lying on the floor with him and everything. I missed that very, very badly. People say, we'll get another dog. I've been through this now four times. We'll get another dog, but I've got to pace myself. It's that simple. Thomas, I want to thank you very, very much. And in the meantime... Those of you who have not had dogs or are looking for another dog, please go ahead and get one. One of the things I appreciate the most are all the people who work to save these beautiful, beautiful family members. And they really are.
All right, America, please don't forget this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, a full hour with the great Governor Ron DeSantis. You're going to love this interview, I promise, on Life, Liberty, and Levin. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. God bless you all. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, my little Barney. Have a wonderful weekend, folks. Hang in there. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leo. Good night, America. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.